0: Hey there, everybody! Welcome back to another pure fan Up podcast of Brad and Court Talk. I'm Brad,
1: and I'm Court. Tonight we'll be discussing sci-fi's newly returned space drama, Dark Matter. Joining us tonight is Melissa O'Neill, who is also the winner of the third season of Canadian Idol, and she won in 2005, <laughs> as well as an accomplished musical theater actress. Now she graces the small screen to bring to life the very badass two, aka Porcelain, on sci-fi's Dark Matter. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much for Hello, taking. T-
1: thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank thanks you very for much. Us.
0: Thank you. So yes, and we, we
1: really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us tonight.
2: Yes, it's been so busy. I just got back from a week in the Rocky Mountains.
1: Oh, that sounds <laughs> awesome.
2: It was really awesome. Weird though, because I kind of I watched the season two premiere in Calgary with my family, and I, I haven't had a chance to watch the show with them yet. So that was kind of fun.
1: Oh cool. Very. Do they have
2: yeah. all the questions for you. You know what? I cannot communicate with anyone while I'm live tweeting. It's awful. My mom insisted on watching it with me. Yeah. And I told her I was like, "Mom, it's I I promise you it's going to be really boring watching it with me cuz my face is going to be buried in my phone cuz we a lot of the cast members like to live tweet." Yeah. And I definitely wanted to live tweet the premiere and I just I'm not a lot of fun because I'm stuck inside my phone. I'm not even catching all of the episode either. But the Twitter world was very fun. It was really great to connect with the fans while they were watching in, you know, live time. It was great.
0: It is so much fun to live tweet. But you're right. You just get stuck in your phone. You're like, oh, my God, what did I just miss? Something happened. I know.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Twitter will tell you, so it's okay. Yeah,
0: they'll they'll let everybody know what happened. (laughs) So I understand this is the first television show you've done. What was the driving force that compelled you to make the jump from stage to television?
2: Uh, it's actually it happened in a very serendipitous kind of way. I was in New York, and I was doing Les Mis, and there was a little bit of fighting in that show, and I I just kind of was. I told my friends I really wanted to get involved with fighting a little bit more, and I... <laughs> This is silly, but when you're in the ensemble, even on a Broadway show in New York, you're not making any money. And I kind of was like, and I want to make more money, and I want to do other things. I just want to grow. And out of nowhere, uh, one of the agents at my agency where I'm represented, uh, he and I don't really have much of a relationship because he's a television and film guy. And he reached out to me out of the blue and said, "Uh, there's a part that I think you'd be great for, and I'd like to get you into the room. And uh, the rest,
1: as they say, you know history well, <laughs> let him know we appreciate him very much
0: and I have to say
1: <laughs> I do.
0: oh I have to say you did play one of my favorite characters on Lemez Ebonine. I had her I <sighs> did hear you sing some of it uh, earlier I found a YouTube audio very lovely.
2: Oh thank you. I love that part. there's something so beautiful about. Um, unrequited love, you know, and even when she dies, it's the happiest moment for her because she's finally being held by the man that she's loved this entire time. You
0: know,
1: anyway,
2: I love that show.
0: (laughs) So do I, so do I.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, before dark Mirror, were there any other shows that you may be auditioned for?
2: Yes, there were two other shows and I will keep their names secret, but, uh, they also were space shows, like two other space shows. And I think it's crazy. Like both of them I ended up testing for. It was down to me and the other person who got the part. And it's it's kind of, I don't know, I guess I was really just meant to be on a space show. Yeah. This, <laughs> that first time I started auditioning. So, yeah, it's great. And I think I think what's exciting about a lot of um, space-themed shows is that they're very modern with regards to uh, ethnic casting and diversity in casting because it accurately represents the world we live in today, but because a lot of people are still kind of stuck in the past, um, it, it's exciting because it also represents the, the world that we're going to live in the future, you know, but anyway, I really, I really like that about our show. I feel like we've got quite the mix of uh, people in our guest stars and in our main cast as well.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. The mix of people in dark matter, it's, it's very realistic to what you would see in space. Well, in the future, I would say. <laughs> no, but what's
2: crazy is that it's also what we see today, you know, but for whatever reason on television, um, you, don't, you don't see that kind of diversity as much. And we're slowly starting to make that change. And I'm, I'm proud to be on a show that uh, is, you know, a part of leading that.
0: So what was it about Dark Matter that attracted you to the show?
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, I think that once I got into the script and I was able to read it, you know, Tu's voice feels at home in me. There are elements of her that I have always identified with right from the get-go. You know, she's got this sense of wanting to keep everyone connected and, and to have everyone work as a team and she's got a maternal side to her as well, which I, I'm not a mom, but I definitely connect to that in, in that kind of a nurturing way. And I think what I love about her character is that she is so multifaceted. She, she embodies all of the things that I think most women have inside of them. They're able to be diplomatic. They can fight for themselves. They can fight for others. They're really good at seeing what are the strengths of people around them and, and utilizing those strengths? Not having to do everything always on her own. You know, she's intelligent enough to recognize that other people are better at her at certain things. And it's important to use those skills. Um, and as a whole, I think I love the show that Joe has cre- Joe and Paul have created it's very topical, especially with today's, I don't know if you guys follow science news very much, but with regards to like gene editing and what we're understanding of the world and black holes and dark matter, literally, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really exciting, the themes that we deal with, especially in season two, we start to really tap into more science fiction kind of stuff that is quite topical with what's happening in current events right now. So yeah, I'm excited about that.
0: Well, the science fiction does help mold science fact. You, you get the people mm-hmm. who come up with these ideas on doing things, and you can look back on certain shows like Star Trek. They had communicators. Now we all have communicators, and we all have pads. So it's, uh, I always love that f- fact about science fiction is people can come up with ideas, and there's other people that go, we need to make this happen. You have the thinkers, you have doers. Absolutely. Everything works out.
2: I think um, one of the, one of the uh, pieces of technology that we have in the show that I could totally see happening one day, um, and there's actually a guy out there right now that's working on creating uh, consciousness profiles, and that person's actually really interesting. If you look it up on your own later, he is uh, one of the big guys behind Sirius Radio, and he's working on this. Uh, idea of creating a consciousness that can be moved from different vessels. You can put it into robots or what have you. And I think our transfer transit technology, you know, like you look at 3d printing right now and you're even getting 3d, uh, printers creating body parts for people as implants, you know, like say if someone's lost their jaw or, or what have you. Um, but between 3d printing and like creating these online profiles for consciousness that could potentially be downloaded into some robot. Like you could totally see transfer transit actually working one day in the future and, and being something real. And, and we'll be able to say that uh, we were there when it was just an idea that somebody thought would be cool in a science fiction show,
0: you know? Well, the transfer transit thing makes a lot of sense too, because okay, it would take so long to travel here or you can just yeah. download and head over there and do your thing for a couple days. It's perfect. It would make it make going to exactly. work a lot easier.
1: Yeah, I'd do it. Why not? Sure. <laughs> so how was it playing someone who didn't know who she was during that first season? Um, like you talked about, she, she's very layered and we know that about this character. So how was it playing someone who has no idea about the actual origins?
2: Hmm. Well, the thing about... Uh, Joe and Paul's approach is that they really didn't want us to see any of the scripts beyond or beyond six. They gave us the first six, excuse me. And they didn't want to, they would have dinners with us and we would talk about the show and what have you, but their what information they would give us was actually quite limited. Um, And I found that immensely frustrating at the beginning, especially coming from a theater world where it's all about doing your homework and getting everything ready and, you know, sitting at the table and mulling out who this character is. And in this case, I only, I had to use this first six scripts and pull out clues based off of how they behaved, how she was naturally reacting to the different characters, when she would speak, when she would stay silent, which is, um, I think, sometimes an even bigger clue, you know. And uh, I don't know, I think I think partially I tried to remind myself that they hired me because of my instincts in the room off of the side that I was given for two in the first place. And that in essence, I'm kind of experiencing or rather I was experiencing the exact same thing as two was in that moment, trying to figure out who she is trying to assess who are these people around her? How does she fit in, in this environment? How do they fit in into hers? Um, And so I think it, it allowed for a lot of organic, moments of discovery to actually happen on camera because, you know, there aren't really any rehearsals that happen. and So you only see these characters on the page and all of a sudden you're acting with somebody and they decide to read a line a certain way or, or behave in a certain way that you wouldn't expect. And so that just, that reaction that you have to that naturally happens. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting process, but when I look back on it, I'm I'm happy that uh, Joe and Paul kind of took that leap of faith and and let us all do a bit of discovering, you know.
0: So you just help help create the characters as you went along. What's that? So you just help create the characters as you went along because without uh having yeah. anything to go off of, that's just they came out as your I don't kind of like a alter personality, I guess, right?
2: <laughs> sort of. Yeah, yeah, I guess. so. Like, there, don't get me wrong, like, there are so many clues in the script, as there always are. And it's just, it's, I think what was frustrating to me at the beginning when I was first starting the process was that, well, what if something happens in the final seven episodes that I would have liked to have layered, like a little bit of foreshadowing or what have you, mm-hmm. you know, beforehand, but that's, that's not my job <laughs> you know the writers and the people who are like the visionaries like i bring what i bring to the table but at the end of the day i'm kind of just a color that somebody else is painting with so um it's important to remember that
0: <laughs> so you mentioned the stage work What what's the major differences you've noticed in working in front of the camera versus working on stage
2: i think the biggest difference between those two different mediums is that uh, well, obviously, it's the live audience, and and I think process-wise, not only, you know, like aside from the beginning part of the process, which is a table read, a five-month rehearsal or something like that, where you're refining moments so that when the one audience comes in every night they're getting the exact clear picture that we want them to get. So even though we're always trying to keep things fresh and new so that it feels like we're there for the first time every night, um, essentially we're telling the same story because we want to get across the same thing every night to the audience. And in television, we don't really rehearse with each other. We come in with our lines prepared. We have one rehearsal, but that's really not enough time to finesse things out between uh characters especially when you're shooting you know for a hundred and however many production days but the 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 way that's different from theater is that you have to come in being prepared with what your character wants what do I want from this moment and how am I going to get it and then the magic is making sure that you don't get hung up on creating what the other person is going to do you know figure out what you want, trust that the other person is going to figure out what they want and let what happens on camera happen. And and that's, I think that's the magic of television and film. People catch real organic moments if everyone is being present and honest with each other. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's a different part of the brain to use without a doubt, both very rewarding, but I, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't miss a live audience. There's something so incredible about having however many people sitting before you and listening to a story top to bottom. It's nice to be able to go on that full journey top to bottom of the story, whereas in television, you're constantly shooting out of sequence and... You, you have to shoot something that happens really late in the episode and then go back to the beginning of the episode and somehow like try to reconfigure your brain and make sure everything still segues smoothly. Um, yeah. Oh my God. I feel like I'm talking so much.
1: <laughs>
0: oh No, 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 that's fine. It's always great to hear the insights.
1: Definitely. And speaking of insights, uh, the show has some pretty amazing uh, fight choreography. I was looking at the premiere this week between uh, Two and Nyx, uh, just one of the fights they got into. And I thought, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Like, how much work goes into filming these scenes?
2: Quite a bit of work goes into filming it. Um but with regards to rehearsal, we we don't actually rehearse all that much. Um, that particular fight was actually Mel's, I think it was like her first big fight. And she was amazing. Um, awesome. We did a couple of rehearsals just to get it under our belts. And then on the day of actually shooting, both of us had gone away and rehearsed quite a bit on our own time. And when we came in on show day, we were both like... Fast and on fire, and our stunt doubles were fantastic that day. Um, but that particular shot, I remember, we were in the galactic prison, and we had a very special crane. I'd never seen anything like it. It was so big, and it allowed for those big sweeping shots that we have. And uh, one really cool shot during that fight that was outside of the cell, outside of the banister, and you could see the entire environment while we were fighting. Um yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it honestly depends on the fight, how long mm-hmm. it actually takes to refer to, to build and then to shoot it. Um, there's some crazy fights coming up this season that definitely took the better part of an entire day, which is not unheard of. But when you think about it, you're like, oh, wow, I was shooting for 15 hours on this two and a half minute fight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That sounds so awesome. Hard. I can't wait
2: yeah it's such rewarding work like the
1: fight stuff is so fun and that's the thing about it you watch it and even though like you guys are trying to hit each other it looks like you guys are having a, a great time just like filming that scene like everything's in it it's awesome
2: <laughs> well I hope it doesn't look that way but yeah we're having
1: a blast <laughs> it's fun well, well yeah I can't, I can't tell that you're having fun it's just like I can imagine that it's just awesome <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's so fun to like wrestle with your friends and like throw them up against the wall. Why not? And then you know what's funny though, when we did that scene because that that fight scene ends with uh, us getting tasered by um, by the the oh god, what he's like the general oh, yeah. in the prison. And uh, but like when we do it, somebody's just saying taser, but there's no taser, and you're just kind of like you have to just kind of like flop down. You're like oh god, I died. <laughs> Some of the stuff you do on TV when, there's, when it's the special effects aren't in yet, you just feel like a total knob. It's insane <laughs> and makes for a very fun day, you know?
1: <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Definitely. Definitely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if there's another character you could be on a show, who would it be? And what is your initial connection with you and your character?
2: Uh, there was another, you know... Our, our cast gets asked that question a lot because we are an ensemble cast. And uh, and we all are always, like, saying, I want to be everyone because everyone gets to do the coolest stuff. I like four because of all of his fight things he gets to do and his costumes, his costumes, and his, his bow staff is amazing. The android is incredible. Like, her onesie is fantastic. Like, her entire costume is just all leather. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And she has the most difficult job. I love having to wrap my mouth around really wordy text and she gets a lot of that technical jargon and it sounds really fun, but I know it's really difficult. I don't think I could at all do her job. Um, Five is really fun. Everyone loves five and why wouldn't they? She gets to have such heartfelt moments with everyone. I think she's the most earnest, sincere and real person on the ship and and I I always like to explore characters like that so I can see how I would have an affinity there three gets to have like the funny quips off to the side I'm not really like that so I wish I had a chance to be like that because he always gets to have the funny last word and it's super unfair I don't know maybe I think I think those are the ones that I would kind of try not that I don't love one and six they're fantastic but I feel like they're there other have to who two is on, on some level, you know, like mm-hmm. six has definitely got between the two of us. We definitely provide this kind of mother father energy over the crew a little bit. Um,
1: what was the second part of your question? What was it that initially connected you with your character too? I think any, any time that
2: two gets to have a one-on-one scene with a, with a, another person, where they're having a real conversation and they're making decisions. Um, I love that she is a character that listens to people. Uh, She listens to everything everyone has to say, and she still makes the most, what I personally believe, to be the most rational, pragmatic decision, for the most part. I think yeah. when she's only risking herself, she, she allows things to get a little bit out of hand simply because of her, you know, programming. Um, but outside of that, when making decisions with crew members, I find her to be considerate and thoughtful and uh, all qualities that I I would appreciate if someone was telling me what to do, you know, <laughs> so I think. Uh, I think the first few scenes where I really got to have a sit down with three or with one um, or six I love the sit downs I had with six they're all I I love that element of her and and that feels very close to home for me I value listening deeply in any relationship I have and and I'm happy to see that that's a quality that two possesses as well
1: oh wow so how in the world is she going to react to six's betrayal then I mean without getting too spoilery of course
2: yeah, we won't get into spoilers, but I will say this: like, I, I was six. A two is the only person who knows that it was six. Remember, because she like she woke up and she sees him, and then he tasers her, and she goes down. Yeah. And then they land in prison, and and as we saw in the first episode, she doesn't really say anything to anyone about yeah. who it is. Um, I think, and I thought this before I knew. I've always felt that she would be confused. She would be confused by it all. She would, it, would, it would hit her out of left field, and it wouldn't be something that infuriated her so much as it would puzzle her. It would absolutely uh, bewilder like her mind. Like, what, why would you... I thought we were... You know, it's all of these questions. When somebody you trust and have developed this trust after persevering, something outrageous, like waking up with no idea who you are and then gaining this trust, this camaraderie with a fellow person who, as we saw over the first season, like they developed this paternal relationship over the ship. They kind of oversaw safety and decision-making. They were the most logical people there. And to have that ally in that context, suddenly be someone who does something completely out of the blue that lands you in an environment that you can deal with. Like she can, she's not like, Oh God, I'm in prison. She's like, okay, how do we, how the hell are we going to get out of here? Um, but I think more than anything, she's hurt. She's hurt by it. And she wants to understand and, and know why, why, why would you do this? Yeah. And that okay. will be, re- you know, how that all plays out will be seen in uh, the second episode and continues to unravel over the season. But, uh, yeah, that was my initial feeling when it happened.
1: Okay. And so we've kind of already talked about some of the old crew. So what about some of the new faces that we're going to see this season? Uh, Sean Sipos and Mel, Mel Liburd <laughs> as Nick's. <next. laughs> Melanie Leibert. Melanie (laughs) Leibert. Thank you so much. She is so awesome. So thank you for getting (laughs) that right for me. Uh, Can you tell us what they might bring to our Motley crew?
2: Yes, I would absolutely love to. Um, Sean Sipos plays Devin and he is the doctor with this dark, mysterious past. And we don't really know what his deal is. And it, it unravels and reveals itself to us very slowly over the course of this season. And, Sean just—he brings this. First of all, he's just drop dead gorgeous, Definitely. and he also has this one. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> he has this wonderful energy about him on set that just allows him to be real. You know what I mean? I, I like—I—I I, I haven't done a lot of work, but you work with people sometimes, and they're putting on something, and and it feels very natural and truthful when you're when you're working with him and when you see the work that he does. And I love that he brings that flavor to the show. Um, and Melanie is just, uh, she's like my home girl. I have nothing but good things to say about her. Like I absolutely fangirl over the fact that she's even on our show. She is an absolute class act, a phenomenal actress, and a very gracious coworker. Um, she is going to be, I think like a huge fan favorite, just be, like her character. Nyx is fascinating and Mel brings such a complexity to her. Uh, and it's, it's been a lot of fun for two to have another female on the ship. Cause when you think about it, there's another girl, there's a young child and there's an Android who kind of is female. Um, but there wasn't another woman anywhere. And I'm, you know, it'll, it'll show itself how the relationship evolves. But uh, I'm, I'm proud to have been a part of portraying a female
1: relationship that, that is what becomes of Two and Nyx, you know. Oh, I'm glad you said that because the chemistry between Nyx between and Two is just off the charts. Amazing. And there are people shooting mm. you guys already. I just want you to know that. Off the charts. I'm glad you think
2: so. Yeah. Um, I'm worried that some people might like. We're talking in ambiguous terms here. I maybe I should say like, who knows? You'll have to stay tuned to see what happens. But uh,
1: I feel like the seeds are there.
2: What's that? The seeds? Yeah, I feel like the seeds are there. The thing. Yeah, like the thing is when they as in Joe and Paul form, they only gave us scripts as they were done with them, you know, and with the second season, they, they we didn't get to have a big chunk and once again, they certainly were not terribly interested in giving us too many spoilers so we had mm-hmm. to continue to discover on our own time and, you know, Two's sexuality is still very uh, murky. It's not something that we really touch on um, and, you know, understandably so. She's got a lot of fish to fry and the times that we kind of touched on on it in the first season it was just casual in nature more to display and show that she doesn't put too much weight or bearing on on that element of a relationship um so it was interesting to me when you know right off the page I'm, I'm listening to how they talk to each other and what they say and you know the fight that we have and there's this mutual uh respect that happens because Mm -hmm. they they see each other they recognize that okay you're a strong chick and you're crushing it and so are you oh it's interesting to meet you (laughs) what can we do for each other how can we you know get something and that's that's the nature of prison you find i always i think i wouldn't know but i think (laughs) on television you know the nature in prison is like find the people who have something that you can barter for You know, get something from someone. Don't just waste your time. And, uh, yeah. And I I do believe that Nyx has information that two will want for season or for the second episode.
0: (laughs) Makes perfect sense to me. I know we're looking forward to uh, that second episode getting out there.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: So with San Diego Comic-Con coming up in a few weeks, do you have any cons coming up anywhere that the Dark Matter cast might be appearing at with you?
2: Um, <laughs> has any of done their announcements yet?
1: They're still ongoing, I think.
2: Yeah, they're still, I think, I'm pretty sure they're still ongoing. We just finished, um, we just finished London Comic Con really? and I wasn't able to join them, but a lot of the guys continued on to Hanover Comic Con and it was so fun. Oh my God. It's so different over there. Like they, they stand in queues in lineups for hours upon hours to buy tickets to get into another line to get a photo to get into another line to to get an autograph and i i that's a, i just can't believe that people do that for so many hours just to say hi and what's up and Nice show. It's so incredibly generous with their time. I, I can't even believe it. Um, I love the cons, I love the panels. We have incredible fans that ask very intelligent questions. And I, I, I marvel at how much they are listening. Like, they're really listening to what's going on in the show. And I love jamming about the content and about the themes that we explore in the show. So it's always really fun when you meet somebody that's really interested in it. Because, you know, let's be real. I work with a bunch of actors. And you have, nobody wants to hear what you're working on. Nobody wants to hear your work you know, jambalaya of thoughts. So it's really nice to go to a con where people want to talk about that stuff. It's it's fun. It's, I hope that we shall be going to San Diego. I'll say it like that.
0: Okay, that'll <laughs> that's just fine. We'll we'll go with that one. And that's the fun part about cons is when you get out there and you actually get to talk to people and. Yes, there's a lot of standing in lines at places, but a lot of times it's worth it because then you need to have that moment and go, Thai, I love your show. It's great. Thanks for doing it. Mm-hmm. Except then I freak out I'm a little. There's too many lines for me sometimes. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> too many people.
1: Yeah, I imagine. For me, when I went, um, we, I was in line at 6 a.m., and it took maybe three hours to get in, and we did not leave the room f- until maybe 5 o'clock that day. What? Yeah, that's what oh you had to do God. if you wanted to have a good seat to see the panels that you want to see. That's how it goes. Some people spend the night, so. That's insane. I know.
0: Got to get there early.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: Well, we want to thank you for coming out and joining us tonight. Is there a way that people can find you on social media?
2: Yes. Thank you for asking. Uh, I am Mel, M-E-L, one, three, O'Neill on Twitter. Um, And on Instagram, you can find me at Miss O'Neill. I do lots of live tweeting when we're airing the show in North America. And I try to get on board for UK, but the time is kind of funny. But uh, I love talking to people through Twitter. So if you're into Twitter... You can hit me up, and I'll probably
1: say what's up back. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again for chatting with us tonight, and I can't wait to see the rest of the season. I, I, I cheated a little bit; I saw the second episode already, and now I have to wait an extra okay. week. <laughs> amazing, <laughs> oh, amazing. This-
2: well, thank you so much for uh, chatting, guys. Sure Fun thing.
0: Yes, always oh, great to have you on. All right, until next time, everybody. Head on over to purefandom.com. Check out some of the amazing articles over there, and we'll talk to you all soon.